0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career, and I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core, and that's why every single week, I wanna bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. What's going on, U-turn friends? It's Ash here, and I'm really excited to have someone on the show who I would relate to more than the usual guest, and it's Humble the Poet. He's an international best-selling author, he's an acclaimed artist, he's a social media powerhouse. If you have not checked him out on social media, he's incredible. He has a highly sought-after new book called How to Be Loved. Simple truths for going easier on yourself, embracing imperfection, and loving your way to a better life. Humble offers insightful stories from his own very personal experience with love, as well as down-to-earth advice for on the most you know important lesson he's ever learned, which is that love isn't found or earned, it's really realized. Um, so without further ado, thank you so much um for coming onto the show.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. Yeah, you know, I I don't think I've ever had a poet on the show and the That's so funny to me now that I think about it, because I always tell people I identify more as a poet than a business owner. (laughs) Mm. Um, And anyone who is out there putting their work in the way that you are, it's so vulnerable and courageous. And you've been at it a while, so I imagine that there's some version of you that has gotten used to it. But um, tell me a little bit about what it's been like. To be this poetic presence and what you have going on in your life that's influencing your poetry?
1: Yeah. Um, I remember when I, my, I wrote my first book on Learn, I <clears throat> independently crowdfunded it and put it out independent. And the biggest single contribution I got was like $1,500. And I thought it was a typo. And it was this very generic email. Um, but it was a. Uh, HBSU dot uh, com or something, and it turned out to be a Harvard professor.
2: Oh, wow.
1: And he was—I think he was like the, their head of crowdsourcing, and I think he was excited at the idea of watching an artist kind of take the business side of it into his own hands. And I eventually went to Harvard to go visit him, and uh he had a quote at his desk that was Andy Warhol that said, "Business is the most interesting type of art."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think for me that's kind of been this reminder of like your creativity is not just here for what you put out into the world. It's also how you approach life. And it's also how you approach business. And with every type of journey people go on, there's a beaten path that's beaten for a reason. And there's templates and then societal ideas. And then there's, you know, our internal software that kind of leads us in different ways, but there's like, there's no right or wrong way to do things um every way could be the right way Mm -hmm. so i think for me it's definitely been that as well and having these constant reminders um you know talking today about things that are on my mind i think the big thing that's been on my mind is you know the word authenticity and recognizing that even from a superficial metrics money attention economy standpoint like keeping it real is better.
2: Yeah. Like
1: it really is and it may not get you the most eyeballs immediately but it's the most sustainable cuz you're just being yourself and you can do it forever.
2: Yeah.
1: And any games we play, the prizes are to keep playing. So
2: mm.
1: if you if you are your authentic self, all you're obliged to do is continue being your authentic self and I think that's really interesting as you as people get into this attention economy of social media where you want to get the eyeballs, you want to compete for the eyeballs and these little tips and these little tricks and you know, say some polarizing shit and you know, yeah. or outrage or you know, or you know, this fact's gonna blow your mind. You know, you, you catch yeah. them with a hook, you do all yeah. this all wear a this-
0: bright color so they see your video in the feed, like wave your hands yeah. so Do you know, it's interesting you're talking about this because I just came off of a month of vacation and I visited a family friend who my dad's been friends with forever and she's incredible, um, very wise. And she was talking to me about anti-aging and filler and all of these things that we do to, especially as women, but you know, everyone to resist aging. And it was interesting because some of her grandchildren came over to the house. We were in the snow in Utah and they're like Disney Channel stars. So they have movies and all this stuff. And they were 17 years old. They had um, diamond bracelets on their you know, wrists. And I had no judgment on it, but it was more interesting for me to see how they were relating to social media, how much they were posting, how much they were putting on TikTok and stories. And it kind of was like a mirror for myself. I was like, what am I? I don't know if it's like my own judgment on myself. I'm like, I'm turning 36 years old next month, like, what do I have to prove? Like, I'm, I've already gone through these eras of trying to be someone that I'm not. And like you said, it's just not sustainable. And I think in entrepreneurship, people think a lot about, you know, getting to that first success and they don't think enough maybe about keeping it alive, which is like a whole other, for lack of a better term, and a whole other beast sometimes. Um, so what, What happens for you in your realness when you're in a season of not doing like you don't have creative inspiration or does that ever happen for you? Because for me, I have moments where I'm like, I want to keep it real. I have a business to run and I don't have anything to say right now. Like, how do you navigate that?
1: Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's ever a time that I'm not, you know, primed to get inspired. And I mean moving to new york city is not you know there's no shortage of stimulation here and inspirational uh i feel like living in new york city for this past month has been like living in real life instagram just without the comments you know you see heartwarming moments you see crazy moments you see entertaining things it's just it's just endless there's so much things to look at and it's distracting um but also stimulating um i think certain things have always helped me i think one of the ones that helped me the most is uh you are most qualified to serve a former version of yourself Mm -hmm. um so i think about that a lot so uh, i've been doing this now for 12 years and i think selfishly right picking topics and ideas and exploring things selfishly for me to serve me and then using my skill set as a as a As a a poet rapper, as an elementary school teacher, all these things allow me to put things into uh communicate with words very well. Um, that adds value for everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think for me, that just keeps me primed on what do I need to focus on? What do I need to do? Um, so for example, now, you know, the big thing, especially with with books is, you know, I wrote this book about love. The book was completed. A year and a half before it got into anybody's hands.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Who am I in that eighteen months is always interesting, and I got lucky with this book. Where you know, so let's say, for example, I finished this book August twenty twenty one. The book came out December twenty twenty two. Wow. I my deadline to like give it to the printers, like there is no turning back, was September twenty twenty two. So it was like three months out from dropping. The day of the deadline. Um, took a few shots of tequila and wrote the last chapter Wow, and what what and the idea was like squeeze out, squeeze your sponge, yeah, like what's left in you? You're reading stuff that's eighteen months old, what's left in you now? <clears throat> what do you wanna say, especially around love and um, it exposed you know new things I learned uh around the world of love, and also uh as I was ramping up promotion, uh helping me reveal you know. Ideas around anxiety, uh, which has now become the new kind of my new central focus of life, which is anxiety. And probably the next book will be about anxiety
2: mm-hmm.
1: and hence the move to New York. <laughs> you want to research anxiety, come to come to the city, uh, the city yeah. that's just full of it. Yeah. Uh, so I think for me, there isn't there isn't a downtime. There's probably just a less structured time. Mm. I'm always thinking about it. Um, am i writing it all down am i reflecting on it am i routined with it probably not um, but that'll probably happen maybe starting in the summer mm-hmm. and you know that's when like <clears throat> that'll be my full-time job to live life with a notepad
2: yeah and, i love that Beautiful.
1: yeah I write everything down and then probably the winter will probably be the uh every single day r- writing the book hibernating mm-hmm. you ain't mm-hmm. have nowhere to be you can't go anywhere anywhere, it's cold or whatever. So I think, from that context of seasons, but I think priming myself to have new experiences and learn, I think is kind of a non-negotiable now for me to be excited to be alive.
0: I love that. and i I guess one thing that I get curious about, I want to ask you a lot about love, given your new book um before I even jump into that, I'm curious to kind of follow this thread on creativity. I think a lot of people feel like writer's block, and my mom always used to tell me when I was writing my book, like you don't have talking block and (laughs) stuff. You know, I just think. (laughs) Um, So I want to ask a little bit about a like, how do you channel creativity? Um, Like, you know, granted, I imagine that it's kind of pumping through you as an artist, but it also, as a human, we have these days where we're very in our human bodies and we are very in our human limits, and so. Curious what you do to channel inspiration. Just having come out of New York, I'm thinking to myself, there's some fun places that I want to recommend you go, like Poetry Slams. Um,
1: I I actually, without revealing too much, got, got a place right beside Bowery Poetry Lounge.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I really wanted to going. I'm so bummed I don't live in New York when you're there because I I didn't have anyone that would go. Like my neighbor who worked in business development was like, I don't want to go to a poetry slam. Like that's my jam. And I used yeah. to drive to them when I was 16 in high school in LA. Um. So yeah, creativity, like obviously yeah. there's something straight to it, like a poetry slam, which is your own form of art. Um, I want to ask not just about how do you channel creativity, but how did you put it out there and balance it with making money when you got started? I know it's been a long time that you've been at this. I find a lot of people feel like they need to abandon creativity in order to make money. And I know that's a matter of mindset, but it's also sometimes reality. Um, I don't know. Talk to me a little bit about just creativity in general and, and earning. My friend, are you ready to climb into bed at night feeling extra comfy and cozy? If you are, then Cozy Earth is just for you. It was named one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018, and its best-selling bamboo sheet set is both temperature-regulating and incredibly soft. I recently got these sheets for my new place in Florida, and wow, I feel like every night I'm just crawling into an actual cloud. So there's no more scratchy bedding, no more sticky, sweaty nights, just breezy, beautiful rest. And Cozy Earth's bedding collection offers a variety of luxury pillows, sheets, blankets, and more. Get ahead of your spring cleaning with fresh new bed linens from Cozy Earth, made from luxurious, high quality fabrics you won't find anywhere else on the market. I mean it, they are really amazing. Head on over to ashleystahl.com slash cozy. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash cozy. And enter the code U-TURN, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, at checkout for up to 35% off site-wide. Again, that's ashleystallcom slash C-O-Z-Y for 35% off your order.
1: Yeah, I don't think you need to abandon creativity to earn money. I think you have to quadruple down on creativity to earn money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> So I think we'll start from um, you know, just from the 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 artist perspective. I like the uh I think Stephen King
2: mm-hmm.
1: says amateurs write when they're inspired. Um professionals figure out how to be inspired every day from nine to five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and I thought that was a really interesting thing, which was, you know, instead of hoping for kind of inspiration to catch you you know kind of like elizabeth gilbert talks about in a ted talk like yeah. it catches me and i have to run inside from my backyard and start typing which is still happening you know whole space for that magic i think a lot about um my high school english teachers and i only learned this because the first book was self-published but the second book um i was with HarperCollins, and i had you know professional editors and they really created a structure and I saw the value of the structure. So it was like instead of just writing a book and vomiting out ideas, it was like, let's make a 30-page outline. So there's no surprises as to what your book needs to be about. Like start with an idea. What are you trying to say?
2: Mm -hmm. You
1: know. So if I'm trying to say you are a source of love, okay, cool. Break that down. How are you going to explore that? Well, I'll explore that with love for self love for others and uh you know maybe love for everything else okay cool love for self how tell me how you're a source of love with just love for yourself and then start breaking out these different ideas so it's just like creating a tree <clears throat> and that's kind of like what your high school english teachers wanted you to do with your hamburger method for an essay or anything like that it was really the you know the antidote to writer's block is planning you know so it's not free-forming and i think it's it's funny that you said you know you don't have talking talkers block we yeah, that's that's a little bit more free for me. And I don't think the writing has to be. And so for me, it really was this time around, especially because this was me writing me. The entire creative process was unsupervised. I, I finished the book before I found a publisher this time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so nobody was supervising me writing this book. My second book, I had accountability the entire time. And they were checking up on it, giving me feedback. This time I took what I learned from them applied it to who, what felt right for me, and did it my myself. And, you know, I capitalized off the the isolation of the pandemic, so it worked out really well for me. So for me, it really was planning out what I was going to say. First, first deciding what do I want to say, how do I want to say it, and I would put on these big, giant sticky notes, stick them on my computer, and then I'd wake up the next morning completely fresh and hit the computer before I did anything, probably even before getting caffeine. Wow. And, it would, I'd have these notes and I would just go in. And yeah. then you start to learn a little bit of a structure. It's like, okay, what else do I want to include? Okay. I should include a personal story here. I should include something here. And when you hit these walls, I'm like, wait a minute, can I be saying this? Should I be talking about this? Wait a minute. That's somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, we'll fix that later. Mm-hmm. We're not worried. Let's just get it all out. You
0: yeah. Know? Cause you don't want to block just- that energy
1: yeah exactly get it all out no one else sees this no one else has access to it if you you know reveal some secret information we're going to reread this eventually so it's like write with the right treat yourself with the empathy that you're a three-year-old when you're right and then you can be a drill sergeant when you edit Mm -hmm. then you can be you know mean condescending whatever you got to be during the editing process and i call editing killing babies Mm. because you know that's exactly what you're doing and my book was one hundred and forty thousand words when I was done, and I had to cut it to sixty thousand. Oh, so, brutal. A lot of babies were murdered. Yeah, <laughs> totally. of book. i've
0: I've heard that phrase before. and um, I love that you wrote about love, and it's it's interesting because, um we had Danielle Laporte on the show. Do you know, Danielle? Um, I don't uh, it's funny. like you both strike me as so your own person in this space, and it's really refreshing to be around. Um, you can people can feel it, obviously. and, um, I want to understand on your end, like what do you think people are not doing properly when it comes to love? Where are people missing the mark? Just based on your experience reading your book.
1: Um I think I think the the simplest way to look at it is <clears throat> we're all actually very versed and experts in love. Um, where we're mixing things up is when we start getting into the romantic quarters of all this love, you know. There are are things that happen, you know, when I think about the love I have for my mom, my niece, my puppy, my friends, my job, my my city, you know, all of that. There's so many parallels. There's no earning. There's no worthiness. There's no enoughness. Then when you think about dating, you know, everything gets thrown out the window because now it's like, and then we start associating things that have nothing to do with love with love, you know, like. What do I have to do or say to you to earn a second date? None of that has anything to do with love.
2: You mm-hmm. know
1: that should be viewed the same way we view a job interview. Mm. you know there's certain you know if you want to get to that next level, there's certain things you have to do, certain ideas you have to signal, certain you know concepts you have to communicate. So I think what ends up happening is we start to think we have to earn love because that's what happens in this romantic field.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're not earning love. You're earning another chance to build with this person. The love is, is when you guys are done with the facades, done with the expensive dinners, done with the trips to Paris. And you guys are sitting in your sweats watching TV together. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, your feet in his lap or whatever. That's the love part. Mm-hmm. That's what you're aiming for. And all this is like a dog and pony show. That's very wow. unnecessary to get there. Because the only way to create that connection um, is vulnerability. And putting your best foot forward is almost the exact opposite of being vulnerable. So I think that's the first thing. And I think also the second thing is realizing how much we kind of float through life, kind of sleepwalk through life unconsciously and make adjustments when we encounter unpleasant experiences. So when we're young, you know, you experience an unpleasant situation with your parents that teaches you how to be but you're making these decisions at such a young age that they're probably without context and nuance. Mm. So, you know, a parent got upset with you over something. You make the adjustments so they never get upset with you again. You don't realize that parent may have had a bad day at work mm. or may just not be feeling well. Like there's so much additional context that matters in that. But now you decided, okay, well, this is the only way to keep mom or dad happy. This is the only way to keep people happy. This is how I'm going to act. Mm. And then we kind of make that a part of our identity and our personality. And then that has us constantly wanting to either earn uh or define what love needs to feel like
2: Mm.
1: you know and that's why when somebody makes it too easy for us we're turned off you know Mm. or um you know if somebody uh makes us want to earn it you know we may gravitate towards them because it matches with what we were exposed to as kids not realizing that whoever raised us they were imperfect beings and they were trying their best but they should not be our role models for love. They were just our first model for love. And then everything we see on television is, is there to entertain us. It's not there to educate us. So you're watching Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Friends, the Ross and Rachels. You're watching, learning about the Bobby Whitneys, all these things. These are just here for excitement and entertainment. They're not here to teach you what love's supposed to look like. You know. So now everyone's looking for these fairy tales. All the guys are looking for what they see in porn. And it's all this hypernormal stuff that has nothing to do with anything in the real world, mm. and I think that's something that we really need to pay attention to as well. Is that we're just constantly influenced by all these external ideas, and all of this stuff is really designed just to make money, not mm. designed to to make us better people. And mm. just building that awareness of being, like, this isn't real life.
2: Mm.
1: You know what is what is real life? What what should this be? Because love is peace,
2: mm.
1: you know, and peace would not make for good TV.
0: Do you wanna get your daily dose of greens, but not feel like you're eating dirt? (laughs) This episode is sponsored in part by our dear friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love about their greens powder is that they're not only carbon neutral, but they taste incredible. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and all the vitamins that I could in one swoop. And I just couldn't bring myself to keep drinking those celery, veggie, juice, smoothie things. I just wanted something that tasted good and was good for me and their greens are tropical tasty and yes their travel packs are perfect for road trips and getaways so you never really have to miss out i've been on athletic greens for the past year and i just can't seem to live without it anymore i've passed it on to a couple of friends and now it's become a staple for all of us i actually look forward to taking my greens every morning With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of nutrients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and your anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. I actually even put it in a smoothie sometimes. To make it easy, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash u-turn, and you're going to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com slash U-turn to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's get back to this week's episode. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and just using it every day. But if that's not in the cards for you this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by more than 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. And since I personally haven't been in France for a while, I love to hop on to Babbel for a few minutes every day and just keep my French up to par. Babbel even helps me with my accent, my pronunciation, so that on my next trip, I'll feel confident stepping off the plane, ready to chat with anyone. Here's a special from Babbel limited time deal for our listeners right now to get 55% off your subscription, but only for the U Turn community at babbel.com slash U Turn. So you can get 55% off at b a b b e l dot com slash y o u t u r n. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is just here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all in one commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all star. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, they give you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e commerce in the entire United States, and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award winning help is there to support you and your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash u-turn. Go to shopify.com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's dot com slash u-turn. So, okay. This is, this is an interesting point because a lot of my best friends are therapists and I feel like there's two different frames, right? Like when you're working on yourself, there's just looking at areas you want to do even better. And then there's also being kind of problem centered, right? Like looking at the problems, which whatever the problem is, whatever the challenge is, it's effective to be having that awareness. Um, But I think sometimes it creates a challenge in their lives where they're nitpicking or fault finding when it comes to love. Um, So I'm just curious to kind of hear your take on like, I don't know what you've learned on the romantic side of things as someone who writes about this and thinks about this so much. um, What does it look like to walk that line of accepting someone and loving them versus loving yourself and saying, this isn't right for me? Um, I don't know. I'm just curious what comes up for you around that because, you know, I'm in a relationship newly with someone who's very introverted. Yeah. And so people kind of will pass judgment if he doesn't engage with them, but he's highly observant. He's highly intuitive and he kind of takes his time to just see what's going on before he enters himself into a conversation with us. Um, if I'm at a table of people, so yeah, I'm learning that what's what acceptance looks like in this relationship with him because in the past I'd be like hey you need to say something you need to talk to these people versus like yeah maybe he wants to stretch in that way but this is who he is he's just not a chat chatterbox like me um and it's been hugely revolutionary for me to realize I don't need a partner that talks to me all the time even though I'm a communicator I'm a thinker I have so many different thoughts so curious what your thoughts are on that um not just my dynamic but just accepting
1: someone yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily view it as a line that has to be <clears throat> kind of towed yeah. um, in between two different things. I think probably from a pragmatic standpoint, um, abandon abandon expectations um and instead have intentions for mm-hmm. other people or for you as a couple and have standards for yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I think when we talk about this idea of people being nitpicky, um Sometimes I think often that's just because they haven't gone deep enough with what they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's a, to, the shovel is the word why, right? So it's like, you know, she goes, I want him to be 6'3". Why? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to stand beside a guy who's shorter than me. Why? And we keep going. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully it reveals something that actually matters. Okay. Hopefully. And I think a lot of times when we talk about this height thing, um, very few people are going to be like, oh, because I care what other people think about us. And I don't want them laughing at us at us judging us. Hopefully it goes the other way. And they say, well, security, I want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And then we have the conversation of like, well, how often is anybody, you know, walking down dark alleys, being surrounded by five ninjas and, and, and a, and a six foot three guy is going to keep you safe?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: what actually is the definition of safety in 2023? Mm-hmm. Most likely it'll probably be financial. Um. Uh, or making special accommodations to who you are my safety is if you know let's say i have anxiety attacks i need a partner who sees that recognizes that none of these have their you know their height doesn't matter in any of these you know so it's really about finding out that feeling associated with these standards um so when people are nitpicky i think they're not they haven't gone deep enough in that self-awareness and figuring mm-hmm. out what's what's there for them i think once we achieve that self-awareness with our standards then We start to see the differences between a red flag and a special accommodation. Mm. For some people, an introvert can be a red flag for who they are, what they are, uh, what matters to them. I have a friend, his father is a a real estate agent, and I mean, to pay the bills, he's got to be a social butterfly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, But he has an antisocial wife, you know? And you, you could see for the betterment of the family if he was married to somebody who was also a social butterfly, how that would benefit this family unit. Mm. So that for him is a, is a reasonable and understandable red flag mm-hmm. if somebody wasn't social,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, it not only associates with his goals, but if he's trying to build a family, a family unit, a tribe, a village, you mm-hmm. know that it takes resources, and you know he the the more social his wife is, the more the more people want to be around them. You know, good things happen in business, in that world. Yeah. Um, But for somebody else, it may not be a big deal. Like, the the healthiest relationship I know in my life is my sister's, and Mm. he is very extrovert. She is very introvert. Um, Tease each other about all the time. Not an actual conflict, you know. She'll say, you know, when we go out traveling, he wants to stop and talk to every single person. Mm. He'll turn a 10-minute walk into a 40-minute walk. But that's it. Like, she's teasing him. You know, but also they've had the communication in their 20 years in where it should be like, okay, cool. If I want to get this walk done and, and I'm not going to go with you because you're going to slow me down, he doesn't get offended. You know, he goes on his own walk and is the social butterfly that he is. And mm-hmm. she can go put some headphones on, keep her head down, and go for a speed walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the important part mm-hmm. recognizing that. So for them, it's a special accommodation that they made for each other. It wasn't a red flag.
0: I love you know? that. Such a and, distinction.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I know I learned is like, even like there's, there are girls who, you know, I knew a girl, you know, I used to sleep in the same room as my grandpa and he snored and it became a comfort thing. So <laughs> I want my guy to snore, you know, for other people, it's like, you know, it's a complete red flag of a guy snores or whatever. So I think it's really about knowing yourself specifically. right? And that just requires that internal, you know, there. So I don't think it's a battle. I think if anything, doing one helps with the other getting to know yourself, strengthening your relationship with yourself. Because I think very often in these surface-level relationships, there's such a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it's really about, it's like, I need to get my way to get my way, not that I actually care. I don't care. You know, like, you want Mexican, I want Italian. I just want to make sure we eat Italian because my voice matters Mm -hmm. versus, honestly, it doesn't matter. We could have, when it got Thai you know and I, and I think that requires a level of self-awareness that takes work and then you know as I said that word why is really important so you set your standards and you're allowed to have standards you yeah. know you are completely allowed to have standards for whatever reasons and and whatever they be in in, in the relationship set intentions pick directions just mm-hmm. say hey this is where compatibility shouldn't be the prerequisite compatibility should be the 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 journey and the outcome
0: My friend, are you ready to launch your own podcast? Now more than ever is the time to start. Since I launched the U-Turn podcast in 2018, I've grown this show to hit the top charts, and we've even been so grateful to bring in over six figures in sponsorship deals nearly every year. And we have amazing conversations with top leaders and experts, as you know, and I just can't believe to this day that I get to have this much fun and that the show gets to support my business with sponsors we love that we get to share with you about. I'm so enamored by the fact that I get to have this much fun and impact while being paid to do it. And I want the same for you. So if the idea of you doing the same, creating a podcast, monetizing it and making an impact feels exciting, and expansive, you're in the right place. And I want to share with you that my podcast launch course is coming. But in the meantime, I wanted to give you a complimentary, very detailed launch checklist filled with prompting questions to get you clear on your show, tactical action items, and everything else that you don't forget anything as well as the creative ideas to market and launch with impact. So What I have here is more than just a free checklist. It's the beginning of your future as a fellow podcaster. I really want this for you if you have the inspiration I did. So head on over to ashleystahl.com slash checklist, and you can get this tool that's totally free. Again, that's ashleystahl.com slash checklist for my free checklist to start your podcast and launch with love. Yeah, beautiful. And I imagine there's probably gaps between people where it's like, that just doesn't look like a journey they want to take together. But it's so interesting to kind of take a look at, is that a red flag or just a special accommodation? I think what a beautiful question for someone to ask. I want to ask you a little more about vulnerability because... Um, you know, I was we we've talked a lot about attachment styles on this show. Um, but those of you who haven't don't remember those episodes, there's four attachment styles, anxious, which is somebody who's preoccupied with love, avoidance, someone who the closer you get, the further they want to run. And then there's secure, which you know, people who are comfortable with conflict and intimacy. Um and then there is anxious avoidant, which is the lucky 5% who are like, come here, go away. So <laughs>
1: anxious until I get you and then avoid it once I have you.
0: Exactly. So, mm-hmm. with these attachment styles, um, you know, and, and those of you who want to do research on this, it's really interesting stuff around being formed when you're a baby. But uh, it's interesting. I was reading that while half of the population is securely attached, meaning that they're very comfortable with intimacy and they don't have anxious or avoidant tendencies. Um, That most of the dating pool is avoidant, which it makes sense because even though 20%, 25% of the population is avoidant, afraid of intimacy, most of them are busy being afraid of intimacy, so they haven't made a commitment. Mm. So around 40, 50% of the dating pool is um, uncomfortable with intimacy in some way. And I think that there's something really beautiful about someone who wants to grow, and it's so important that people who are emotionally open and ready to be vulnerable and experience real love are met. In their vulnerability, in their in their sharing, um, so I, I kind of wanted to get some thoughts from you on like what does it even mean to be vulnerable? Does it have to be through conversation? Like people like you or I have a skill set of words, so we're probably going to create intimacy or connection through words and vulnerability through words. But what does it mean to even be vulnerable? Um, and what would be your thoughts on someone who wants to learn how to open up a little bit more, but they're really kind of shedding those layers of being emotionally unavailable, of being afraid of intimacy.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you know, vulnerable by all definitions is leaving yourself open to attack. You know, it's what are the vulnerable parts of our bodies, you know, that can sustain injury, you know, what's vulnerable, you know, vulnerable parts of a a, a fortress, you know, it's always the parts that can be attacked. So what we do is we avoid being vulnerable because we don't want to be attacked, and, and the definition of attacked at this point can even be judged. You mm-hmm. know, it could be nonverbal judging. It could be somebody raising an eyebrow, somebody rolling their eyes. This is enough to just crush us. Yeah, um, and I think that goes back to our kind of primal, ancient software of needing to to please people because mm-hmm. that was survival when we lived in small communities. If the community didn't approve of you, they kick you out and you die. So disapproval feels like death. FOMO feeling left out feels like death. All of that feels like death. So now we avoid being vulnerable because we don't want to be judged.
2: Right.
1: I think we have to come to this reality that, hey, we're not in small communities anymore. Absolute, complete rejection from anybody feels like death, but does not actually equal death. Um, we, We now live in these large communities of millions of people, and you can move four blocks away from where you live. And it's a whole different life and experience and a whole new tribe to create and do all of that. So I think the first thing is to realize is it feels like death because it used to be death for like 40,000 years. But in the last two, 300 years, it stopped being death, Mm. being rejected, being canceled, all these things. It never leads to you physically dying. Um, It just might be an annoying couple of days or or, a heartbreak or what have you. And I'm not here to minimize it if anybody's gone through that. Um, But avoiding that, kind of is the reason we get there because we never create these pathways for love to flow and you know, those pathways are built on vulnerability vulnerability isn't black and white it's not zero and a hundred i think that's the other thing when we have fears around vulnerability we think okay the goal here is, is to get to like tmi level
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: just share so much information and now you know they they're going to judge me they're going to what have you and it's like no you can be you know what i was taught through my therapist is carry two stories in your pocket Mm. Um, that are vulnerable, that can, you could share with a complete stranger, mm. and even you don't have fear of judgment. Um, one of my stories, as we were talking earlier, um, is losing my first dog. Mm. And you know my hesitation's around getting another dog.
2: Mm. And
1: then finally, you know, getting another dog. and a year and a half after getting her, post-COVID, I got her during COVID, so she never got to go into the vet's office, mm. or I never got to go with her, and then a year and a half later, take her to the vet's office and see that metal table that, you know, I first put my last dog to sleep wow. on and having that moment, feeling it jarring and, mm-hmm. and recognizing that I had a trauma I didn't even know existed until I saw that table. Ugh. That's that's a story of vulnerability that I can tell anybody and not be worried or mm-hmm. afraid.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think when you do, when you have these stories ready, what you'll realize is not everybody, but the vast majority of people that you share this level of vulnerability with, they'll reciprocate that level of vulnerability.
2: Yeah, you
1: yeah. know, not everybody, but yeah, you're you're making it safe
0: for mm-hmm. them.
1: You, you know, you're telling them that, hey, look, I just showed you mine. Show me yours. And- yeah,
0: I was just gonna say that. Show you your sure. show. <laughs> yeah, what a funny statement for what you, your dog story. But I feel like, um, and those of you who are listening, before we hit record, I was showing him. On Zoom, Jupy, uh, my dog Jupiter, who he had a German Shepherd too. So,
1: yeah, I had a 140 wow. pound German Shepherd. Oh know. my
0: gosh, 140! Yeah, what a big boy! He was, Monthly, he was
1: massive, yeah. He was uh,
0: 90. I cannot imagine another 50 pounds. That is just <laughs> um,
1: yeah. He just yeah. I remember just carrying those big bags of kibble. It was ridiculous. But... Oh
0: my gosh, totally. Mine eats like um, what is it like 15 ounces of raw like oh wow meat and like i don't know what animal what's going on in there and then kibble and all of his supplements because i have a deep fear of him dying which <laughs> you understand it,
1: it, it's yeah and it's a special thing and i think even this like us having this conversation is, is connecting us deeper whereas we're, we're yeah. building a bridge yeah. and that bridge holds space right and then if yeah. we have a conflict we might throw a piece of rubble on that bridge and, and, and impact the flow of love between us and i think That's where this is important. I think you can be vulnerable with anybody. You don't have to be TMI vulnerable. You know, I have stories, you know, that could be a hundred out of a hundred in terms of vulnerability that we don't have to get to. Right.
0: I love that. And um, you talk a lot about, you know, people with love. And I wanted to ask you, you know, just if you had any advice in particular for people who are looking to find a partner, because I love what you were sharing about why, 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 why do they need to be tall? Um, my boyfriend's friend group created this funny little app amongst them, where it's like the odds of a human existing with your criteria, and it's like the funniest app because it's like they're six foot and they're this six and they're foot that. six
2: figure,
0: yeah. Yeah, like if you make six figures and you're over six, it's like fourteen percent. And then if you're good looking, whatever that means, it, it just keeps going. You know, it's like point oh 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 oh. So yeah, I would love to just hear what insight you have for people who are looking to find someone.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the light side, um, ladies or heterosexual ladies who have these uh, six feet, six figure, um, whatever other standard that's required from men, um, please realize that that it is a very low number of men, and um, that's probably contributing to fuckboy culture because uh, as right. a guy that fits, as a guy who fits a lot of this, I'm I feel like the pretty girl now. Yeah. Because there's 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 less of me than there are of them in mm-hmm. terms of who's pursuing this. Um and it's not and again the question has to go back to why are these important and um and just even go deeper with yeah, you want you want a guy who's financially stable because it represents safety, go deeper because if he got his money from his family, that's not financial stability, you know. Right. That if shit hits the fan, will he have the necessary skills? Meanwhile, if you have somebody that came from zero, and he makes sixty grand a year, and he figured out how to do that himself. He's probably much more equipped to take care of the family during a recession or when she hits the fan or because no one you know if the if the tap turns off or if anything else happens. so I think really going down these deeper situations really matters, and also how these people will make you feel is is a really important thing. I think the other thing is recognizing that modern society is really 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 um, butting heads with traditional setups, mm. you know, which I think is fantastic in so many ways, mm-hmm. um especially when it comes to amplifying the autonomy and voice of women um but with that there's going to come the challenge of the fine oil machines, you know mm-hmm. the, the the patriarchal setup existed for a very long time and it, and you know and it became a wild oil machine, not saying it was good for everybody but is without a doubt existed for a very long time, Mm -hmm. the transition of that is going to be um, uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's something to understand that as we continually modernize our world, but want to have these traditional ideals, um, the world's going to make it more difficult. So I think that's why we have this rise with every generation uh, every generation is increasingly less monogamous mm-hmm. and i don't think it has to do with a deeper way of thinking i ha- i think it has to do with a reaction to the fact that we live in a world that's making it harder and harder to find your swan partner
2: mm-hmm.
1: i still think finding it i'm not saying mono- i'm not gonna say monogamy as a as a, as a uh, umbrella term i want to say a swan partner like finding that person that fits you, finding that person, you know, so y'all can be that cute old couple. Yeah. Where like actually you your 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 connection is so deep, it actually impacts your ability to find other people attractive. Like you actually have like scientifically have eyes for no other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is possible. But I think it was way easier when you lived in a village of a hundred people and you were given an arranged marriage and y'all just grew together and y'all yeah. grew up together and that became your person and that became an extension of you. I think in this world of Instagram and dating apps and all of that, um, the environment is is out to get you to make it more difficult
2: right.
1: and have empathy for that hold have grace for yourself for that. And what I would say is and this is advice for anything anybody wants to accomplish, nothing's gonna happen passively anymore.
2: yeah you know
1: if you want to be a professional athlete, devote your life to it if you want to find a, a real-life partner, devote your time and your life to it. Like be extremely intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the debate me and some of my friends are having is, like, you know, I think the challenge for, for some men who want to find a, a swan partner is how easily we could get hooked into women who we know aren't the right women for us yeah. because they're hot. Yeah.
2: Because whatever. Yeah.
1: So it's, you know, like as my therapist said, like your goal is to as quickly as possible, like sever those connections. And the moment, yeah. you know, this isn't for you, like, hey, I don't think, you know, we're on the same page. It's really nice yeah. to meet you. You know, and I think for for men, I can only speak because I'm a man, a heterosexual man. Um, you know, I'll I'll overlook those incompatibilities if, you know, she smells nice and she's pretty. And, you know, and it'll bite me in the ass two weeks later anyways. And yeah. I'll, learn, I'll learn my lesson that way. But I think the, the whole thing is like, if you can't, the question me and my friends have been asking, like, if you can't find your person, is it okay to have fun in between? And I think that's that's a debate that I'm not going to answer either. Because um, as I said, I think the, the environments that we're in, people, our grandparents weren't living in cities of 11 million people. Um, access to Instagram, access to dating apps, access to this belief that there's, there could be something better there. And that subconsciously yeah. seeps into us. Um, so, you know, I would say for women, you know, go to the smaller towns. If you want to find a guy who, who still has those smaller town ideals and understandings. Um, but also you have to be intentional. You have to be really intentional, really clear with your intentions and your standards and, uh, devote time, energy, and resources into it. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, knowing that the world is not on your team. Your your environment is not on your team. They're not um so our society is an economic engine and it's not in their uh it's not in their interest to have you uh just simply find your life partner and being so in love with them that you don't need that expensive fairy tale wedding and you don't need those overpriced divorce lawyers and you don't need to go get married again to make up for the last one. You know, that's 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 the society that we live in now.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so yeah, be intentional uh, and realize no one, no one's on your side. You know, these apps aren't designed to make you find a partner. These apps are designed to keep you on the app.
0: Hey, U-Turn friends, it's Ash here. And I've got to admit, my closet has been incredibly crammed with a lot of clothes, but nothing to wear. The solution? I decided to donate a ton of them and turned to Quince. They are the upgrade for high-quality, affordable pieces. Now I have a wardrobe of luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next. And the best part? I stayed on budget. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I just love them. I recently got the Italian pebbled leather crossbody bag, and it is the perfect size for a purse when I'm out on a date night, traveling light, or just don't want anything bulky weighing me down. I really love what they're doing. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash u-turn for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash u-turn. I used to be one of those people who thought that they really didn't have time to prioritize wellness, but I recently came across Aloe Moves, and now my entire mindset has changed. This app makes it so much easier for me to keep my wellness routine on track, and because they have everything in one place, you know, there's yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. You all know I love a little recipe situation. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will totally fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what I'm feeling for that day. Trying to get in a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts, like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or Reformers Pilates workouts, with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for your more quiet moments. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use the code allomoves30 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's dot s.com code allomoves30. a l o m o v e s 30. allomoves.com code allomoves30. Now, let's get back into this week's episode. Well, this reminds me a lot about like, what does it really mean? What is love? And I want to ask you for your definition because I, as I'm thinking about partnership and what you're sharing, it feels like, is there really one, you know, is it about finding the right person or is it about choosing each other and creating love together? Because it's kind of like the difference between like that hot person that you kind of think about, like the Phantom X, but And then the person you're with, it's like the person you're with is building a castle with you and it takes time to build a castle and and you can't replace time with anything. You Mm -hmm. just can't. And so it's like, I don't know, how how do you define love for people who are listening to your words and thinking to themselves like, all right, maybe this is the year that I actually not only read this book, but step into finding a partner and being serious about it and more intentional.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's you know finding the right person versus finding a person you build with. The person who wants to build with you is the right person. Mm. Um, I think the more you can abandon romanticized ideas, the better off you are. I'm not here to argue soul. I'm not here to argue soulmates, but if you think you know there needs to be this magical spark when you meet a person, um, there's a lot of science showing that that spark is actually a warning sign to run the other way because they're mm. probably triggering old trauma that you have, and you find them attractive because they feel familiar. The same way we go back to the same junk food when we're having a bad day um he might just be reminding you of your dad and Mm -hmm. that might not have been a healthy relationship um so don't chase the spark and the relationships we build are way more important and more successful than the relationships we have so i think it's really about in recognizing that with everything we have in life the progress comes from the unsexy work you know if you're a professional athlete yeah you play the game and make amazing shots and do all that cool stuff but it's really you in the gym doing the repetitious work while no one's watching. It's going to be the same thing in a relationship. Relationships are work, endless work and labor, and the rewards are moments. They're not happily ever after. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're moments in between the bullshit. They're moments in between going to work. And my definition of love is, I love Naval Ravikant's definition, which is love is what exists when all other emotions cease to be there, Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: to me, which feels like peace. Mm. And so you know because that's what what i feel when i'm when i was a little kid cuddling my grandma that's what i feel like when my puppy's sitting in my lap that's what i feel like when somebody sees me they Mm. say something that makes me feel seen i feel peace Mm -hmm. i feel and i think that's what love actually is it's not it's not a roller coaster it's not the ups and downs it's not the cat and mouse it's not ross and rachel Mm
2: -hmm. you know
1: it's 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 peace it's it's not wanting anything else it's nothing else even mattering and that comes through work Mm. that really comes to work it doesn't come to a a, a diamond ring that costs two months salary that it doesn't come through big trips to paris it doesn't come through fairy tale weddings that you you know that that will look nice on the gram you know it'll it'll come from feeling good not looking good Mm
2: -hmm. and i
1: think that's the really important thing here so having that intention and realizing you can build with anybody. Um, some people will just make it easier than others based on where they're at, and based on how your baggage aligns and based on everything else and how comfortable they are being vulnerable and how easy it is for them to see you and how easy, easy it is for you to see them. Mm. And that just means, as I said, like, you know, cutting, you know, cutting out the facades, focusing yeah. on vulnerability from day one. I, I just saw this morning actually a spoken word poem from a woman and it's just really done really well. And the whole poem is about having sex first, mm. like not even on the first date, having sex first mm. and talking about the detriment of the, the idea that that is the most valuable thing a woman provides, mm. you know, saying you, you getting between my legs is not access to my soul. It's not access to my mind. It's not access to my brain. And if anything, seeing if you stick around after is a bigger sign than making you hold off. And I thought it was just, you know, the way she framed it, she did, she made it very empowering for women, but also wow. very challenging to be to counterintuitism um, of what we're taught in kind of this cat and mouse game of like, guy has to put his best, best foot forward to build a level of trust, interest and safety for a woman to decide if he's worth having sex with. Guy spend so much time doing that that it isn't until the woman has made it crystal clear that she's into him, which for most of us single-celled cavemen means having sex, then he begins to assess if she's even a good fit for him. Mm. And I think that in itself becomes an issue because we're playing all these games before we're even seeing if this is somebody I want to build with. Mm. And that's, I think, what makes things unfortunate. You combine that with the fact that we have this illusion of alternative options everywhere else. Uh, and we also have this, we have this, uh, kind of, uh, skewed kind of balance when it comes to gratification where, you know, men, men don't get external gratification.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, may participate in, you know, less than ethical behavior to, to, to know they still got it,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, and, you know, whereas that might not be the same thing for a female who could still be in a committed monogamous relationship but just still get little ego strokes walking down the street or checking your dms or something and i think all these dynamics don't have conversations around them and the conversations that you're seeing on social media that are getting the most likes are not those are those are polarizing ones those mm-hmm. are the uh, what is what the high value man what is a high value woman and it's like this idea that humans can have value mm-hmm. you know it's like no you're you can't measure a human in terms of enoughness or worthiness <laughs> or value Love is always around us. The work that we have to do, the analogy I use is love is a breeze. The work that we have to do is open the sale. Mm-hmm. All, you know, and just recognize the behaviors that we have, whether we're opening or closing our sale to the love that's already there. Mm-hmm.
0: At the end of the workday, the last thing I want to do is grocery shop and sometimes cook dinner, which is why I've really come to appreciate factor meals. Eating better has never been so easy with factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including calorie smart, protein plus, keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. There's no mess, no prep, just clear meals. Factor meals are ready to heat, ready to eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup as needed. That's something I can get behind. Sign up and save. I've done the math, and Factor Meals are less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head on over to factormeals.com slash U-Turn50 and use the code U-Turn50 to get 50% off. That's code U-Turn, 5 at factormeals.com slash U-turn 50 to get 50% off. Now let's get back into this week's episode. Okay. So my final question for you, unless there's something else you can share that feels present is you tell people not to fall in love with potential. And I think that's so huge. Um, For me, I always get confused on like, what is potential versus just two people who are growing, you know, like when my, when someone asks me, can you do better? It's like, if I say, yeah, I'm happy to, work on that. It, I guess it's like you said before, there's no line, but I think sometimes it's hard to balance being a growth-oriented person and wanting someone to change. So how do you navigate or what do you have to share around this idea of not falling in love with people's potential?
1: Um, so I think the first thing is what I say is you can fall in love with potential, but it has to be your own. Mm. So that's the potential you're, you're allowed to fall in love with. Somebody else's potential, you can't. Um, and the reason for that is you're, you're by default denying what's in front of you and not accepting what's in front of you. Um, and I don't think this in any way, shape or form uh, butts heads with people who have growth mindsets. I think what we have to recognize is we are constantly moving. So this is where we have to get rid of words like balance. If you were actually physically balancing in life. You know, that's it's a moment, you know, you balance on a tightrope. It's a moment, you don't just establish balance and then lock it in. So I like the word harmony, finding a harmony in things and then, you know, compensating accordingly to if you need more highs, you need more lows. So what I would say is I like using the video game analogy, which is you buy a video game. The goal is to complete the video game, but you want to enjoy every single moment while you play. Yeah, You know, it's not just about conquering the video game and skipping straight to the end because then you would feel like it was a waste of money. You want to enjoy every step of the way, but you're only happy if you're making progress. So you and your partner can be making progress. That's setting an intention. You know, Mm -hmm. set a direction for you and your partner that you guys both mutually agree on, whatever it is, and head in that direction.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: love what's in front of you. You know, love what's in front of you and be happy that you guys are going somewhere together Mm -hmm. Um, versus saying, well, you know, if she only learned how to communicate better, things will get better. So, you know, she'll work on that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, no, if she's not she's not communicating to you well now, like it's not like you got to love what's in front of you. And that's that's not living up to your standards now. It isn't going to do it later. I think everybody listening to this who's been through a breakup, you know, a lot, the vast majority of you can can. Own up to the fact that what the what what the final you know uh nail in the coffin was probably something you noticed in the first three dates, yeah sure. and um yeah, so that's why don't fall in love with potential is. it's not going to go away
2: mm-hmm. people
1: don't people don't change for anybody they change, but they don't change for anybody they change for themselves so you are climbing a mountain. Just enjoy, All I'm saying is enjoy the view while you climb. Because realize this, you, you are moving. You either, you're either rolling down the hill or you're going up the hill. Um, there is no stagnation. There's no being happy with where you are. There's enjoying where you are as you move. But there has to be, um, as I said, it's just abandoning this idea of perfect. So when people say, can you do better? Just like is somebody more perfect. Mm-hmm. Abandoning that idea and really being like, no, like, are we making progress? right and celebrate the progress like you go to the gym you'll make the most progress at the gym if you enjoy the workouts
0: that almost makes me want to ask you about trust because like progress is like a very real feedback that yeah. there's something is moving that matters to someone
2: yeah.
0: um hopefully positive progress so i guess what i would imagine people are wondering is like how do i trust the progress what if it's just now and i'm 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 guessing the answer is like there is no way of knowing if they're going to progress forever, or maybe there is. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, shit happens. Like shit really right. happens. I I know yeah. a couple. Oh man, like this is yeah. I know a, a really sweet couple. Um, two guys, and thirteen year difference, but mm. they were they lived together three years, got married. One of the most beautiful marriages I'd ever seen. He, the older one, was a clear breadwinner had a really good job, high-level exec at a high-level company. The young one was like a like low-level uh, getting into the entertainment space uh, as a manager and what have you. Over the, the older one, over the course of them being married, over the course of maybe four or five years, the older one quit his job, tried to start his own business, and it failed. Mm. The younger one went from being a junior manager to starting his own firm to selling his own firm. Wow. So the power dynamic shifted shifted over those years through circumstance and it led to a divorce.
2: Oh wow. Um Isn't that
0: interesting how like someone feeling maybe smaller, I don't know what I can't yeah but, but big like some relationships are kind of built on this idea of like you're over here and I'm over here and our relationship won't exist if this power dynamic or gap doesn't exist. I mean again it's I
1: think sometimes it's not even expressed. Yeah. You know I think sometimes it's like oh like this is how it is yep and i like how it is you know I, I i pay the bills and he doesn't and it's cool and he does these things and i you know and that this is how it is and we kind of expect things to stay like that forever and i think with with this story specifically i just think it was just a combination like they both had very extreme luck in the opposite directions like he gave up like the the, the older one giving up these high-end jobs to start his own business because his confidence was that high had his business fail, the younger one literally being at the bottom of the totem pole, created his own business and sold it for a gang of money all within that five years. I think that's not a story that's very common Yeah, uh, with two people. And I think that really messed the dynamic up where and maybe they both didn't think the other would change. I don't know what the internals of their relationship were, but I do know like it was unfortunate to that point where... I do believe, you know, I mean, even from a divorce standpoint, I believe there may not even been a, a prenup because the older one didn't, maybe he didn't mind. And then when there was a divorce, the older one got more from the younger one. Like it's wow. it's an in, it's an interesting, as I said, like this world, this world yeah. that we live in, which is heavily based on economic engines,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: divorce rates go up when economic uncertainty is high. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's in these relations, like love isn't the glue like please yeah. realize love isn't the glue that keeps uh, a marriage a marriage is a, is a legal partnerships a financial partnerships a whole bunch of stuff so i think for me it's not about trusting it's about having those conversations it's about right because i think they probably never had the conversation because they probably just assumed it wouldn't happen like he had 12 years on him things would have you know sure. we don't have these conversations about what if i get in a car accident and i'm you know a quadriplegic what if All of these differences, we just don't talk about them. We don't deal with them until they happen. Now we're reactive and not responsive. So I think it's not about trusting.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: You know, there's this quote that the bird lands on the branch and doesn't trust the branch not to snap. It trusts its wings that if the branch snaps, it'll fly.
2: Yeah.
1: So it's like we have to, then this is where the cliche hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah. What we generally do in the society is we hope for the best, prepare for the best, and then freak out when we
2: experience the worst.
0: <laughs> kind of reminds me of this finance class that I took in college, um, where the professor was talking about how like when an economic downturn comes, it's kind of like people are swimming in the ocean naked and you don't really know who's not wearing pants until the tide finally pulls up and people are exposed. Um yeah, it's like hope for the best plan for the best. Um, I love all of your wisdom. And I know you've been at it a long time. I'm so bummed I'm not in New York anymore to go to poetry slams with you because I was dying for someone. I mean, you
1: can always come back. Always I'm going to be back.
0: back. I'm going to be yeah. back. And I will be messaging you that we need to go. And um, what what can you where can everybody get started with you? Um, I'm imagining your book is everywhere where books are sold. But um, Is there anything around finding you that would be helpful for everyone?
1: Yeah, the book is, is called How to Be Loved um, by Humble the Poet Myself. And it is available everywhere books are sold. If you can't find it, you can go to humblethepoet.com slash love. Uh, but you can find it, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you're in Canada, Indigo, Waterstones in the UK, it's a, it, it should be everywhere that books are. And, and there's also an audio version on Audible. Um, so you can definitely check that out. Um, me, I'm probably most active right now on Instagram at HumbleThePoet. And um, that's probably a great, great place. Or you can go on my website, humblethepoet.com.
0: Thank you so much again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into the U Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners.